0: It is such a wonderful morning to worship our Savior together. I have enjoyed every moment of this service so far, and I'm looking forward to uh, what God's going to do through the teaching of Part two of what lies beneath. If you're a guest, my name is Zach. If I haven't had a chance to meet you, I'd love the opportunity to say hello. At some point this morning, you can find me out here at the main doors. And if you are a guest and have not yet stopped by guest services, please do that, because we'd love to meet you and answer any questions that you may have about our church. We also have a gift for you that we would like For you to take home this morning as well Well this is uh, part two of a series called What Lies Beneath And last week we learned that that beneath the surface we have an enemy And so as we started that conversation we learned rather quickly that, that you can't be ready for an enemy That you don't know you have or you don't understand that you have And we we learned that our battle is with the enemy of God, that the enemy of God is, his name is Satan. He has a legion of demons that are working with him. They are after us, but we can resist the enemy and his attacks. And God has given us the things that we need to do that. So last week, our focus was knowing our enemy— Knowing that he's real, that these spiritual forces of darkness, they are there, they are present, they are working. And this week, we're going to dive into the tools that were given. Now, how many of you have ever set out to do a task, but you didn't have the correct tools? I mean, how many of you have ever been there? It's super frustrating. You've got a project, you've got something that you want to do. And, 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 and for me, it's, it's, it's like the home projects that, that my wife lovingly asks me to do. And I realized quickly that many times I don't have the appropriate tools to do the job And then all kinds of satanic things happen And so, you know, tools are really important You have this project, you have a job to do But you didn't have what you needed to accomplish the work I mean, how effective can you be with subpar equipment? I mean, sure, we can try our best to write, to handwrite flyers or wedding invitations But it's going to be tough Without a computer or a printer You can technically dig a hole with a spoon But it's better if you have a shovel And if you have access to a backhoe It's even better and a lot more fun But you you just, having the right tools for any job Makes all the difference in how effective and successful we are Sometimes the same thing applies to our spiritual lives. We we can get so frustrated with our faith. And I know that has been my story from time to time. I have talked to many of you, and I know that there are seasons of life where you're extremely frustrated with your faith and where you are in your faith. You are, you're having issues with some specific sin or it's a spiritual discipline, and you're just frustrated, And could it be that we are trying sometimes to navigate things with the wrong set of tools? We want to have a thriving faith, but the process seems to lose its luster after a while. We want to be used to accomplish big things for the Lord. We want to to be on mission with Jesus, but we get discouraged often before we even start. And as we discussed last week, many times those responses and those feelings have have the enemy's signature all over them because he is after us and we are in a war in a dark world during the last supper jesus makes it clear to peter that a test of faith was coming he says in luke chapter 22 verse 31 he says simon simon satan has asked to sift each of you as wheat now this is a very similar situation that Job found himself in as we talked about last week uh, many centuries before but a big test was coming Satan wanted to he wanted to shake Peter's faith and he wanted to do it so harshly that, that he would he would fail he would fall making it obvious that these new followers of Jesus they couldn't stand a chance I want you to notice that phrase each of you Satan was coming after all of the the disciples and some would pass the test and others, they, they wouldn't. But God still provides what they needed and he still provides what we need to pass and he also offers the forgiveness that we need if we fail. We can never say that we didn't have what we needed for each and every battle and fight that we find ourselves in in this lifetime of following Jesus. I mean, we have to remember some things that Satan is a deceiver. He is a liar. He is an adversary. He accuses. He is a thief, and he has come to steal, kill, and destroy your life, and he is coming after you. He comes after God's people As we studied last week in in 1 Peter chapter 5, Satan is referred to as a, a prowling lion who is seeking someone to devour. But Jesus says something very interesting in this text in Luke 22. He says, But I have pleaded in prayer for you, Simon, that your faith should not fail. So when you have repented and turned to me again, strengthen your brothers. You see, Peter was going to be a leader in the early church, in the future church. And the prayer that Jesus prayed was answered. Peter would fall, he would fail, but he would also repent and follow hard after Jesus again it was all part of the deal it shouldn't be a surprise to us this should be expected trials should be expected Jesus had promised them that that these testings were going to come he says it in John chapter 16 that trials and tribulations are going to come he predicted that Peter was going to deny him three times and he did Acts chapter 14 reminds us that we will go through hardships and trials in order to enter the kingdom of God. Just listen to what James chapter 1 says. Dear brothers and sisters, when troubles of any kind come your way, consider it an opportunity for great joy. For you know that when your faith is tested, your endurance has a chance to grow. So let it grow. For when your endurance is fully developed, you will be perfect and complete, needing nothing. You see, trials and tribulations and struggles and challenges and all the things that you can insert into this list, they can strengthen us if we allow them to. In the end, and this is easy to say because I'm not currently going through any kind of struggle, but they can make us look more like Jesus. Because Jesus kind of set the table for what it looks like to endure persecution and trials and trouble and tribulations. He gave us an example to follow so that it can make us look more like Christ. So what can we do? How can we respond to these, these trials and these attacks that oftentimes are influenced by the work of the enemy? Well, if you have a Bible, find Ephesians six. If you don't have a Bible, that's okay. It'll be on the screen. We'll be able to, you'll be able to follow along there. I'm going to be reading this morning from the, from the NLT and next week, so it may read a little different. Everybody's carrying a different version in here anyways. So there's—it'll be on the screen. You'll be able to follow along and compare. But there is a spiritual world that is unseen it's happening all around us and we are humans who find ourselves living our lives in that world while we're busy doing what we do all of this stuff is going on and it's unseen so in Ephesians chapter 6 verse 10 it says a final word Paul is finishing this letter to the church in Ephesus where Timothy is the pastor and he's, he's kind of ending this book with a, with a challenge and with a set of encouraging words he says a final word Be strong in the Lord and in His mighty power. The first thing that we have to remember is this, is strength for the battle comes from the Lord. It doesn't come from this this thing inside of us that that we develop or we create. There's no self-help strategy that can propel you through the trials and the strategies that the the enemy is going to throw your way. We are strong in the Lord because He is strong. (laughs) and he is always with us, and we have everything that we need in him. The psalmist would write in Psalm 28, the Lord is my strength and my shield. I trust him with all of my heart. This is coming from from King David who experienced a lot of challenges and hardships and struggles. And he says he's my strength and my shield, and I will trust him with all that I am. You see, none of the power that we have comes from us. And if you've been following Jesus for any amount of time, you know that to be true. You know that there is nothing inside of you that can do what God can do in and through you. It's only from him. And so Paul wants to start this this challenge to these people with that reminder. To be strong in the Lord. He continues, He says, Put on all of God's armor so that you'll be able to stand firm against all strategies of the devil. For we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers in this dark world, and against evil spirits in the heavenly places. Therefore, put on every piece of God's armor so that you will be able to resist the enemy in the time of evil. Then after the battle, you will still be standing firm. Do you notice a phrase that shows up twice in these verses? It's the phrase, put on. Put on your armor. This is an action directive. This This is not just a suggestion that Paul is making. He says, put it on. Put on the armor that God has given us We are in a war We are in a war with enemies from a spiritual world It's unseen It is dark And it is evil And we can't do it in our own power We need weapons We need the strength of our God Almighty And we are given a series of weapons In this text We're given offensive and defensive weapons God has provided it all Paul says to put on the whole armor Of God. That would mean that He has provided everything that we need. Now, Satan will look for and He will target any area that is weak. So, guard it with the tools that are provided. You could say that Paul is is commanding his readers here in Ephesus and us today to put on the armor, to use the weapons, and to stand firm against the enemy. We shouldn't just pick up pieces of the armor. They're all important. This message that is from a loving pastor. Paul is, is, a, is a pastor. He's speaking to a church that he loves, that he started, and, and, and he loves these people deeply. And he reminds them that nothing will come from themselves, that we do all of this through the power that Christ gives. We do this all through faith. We should pray every day as Jesus prayed in the garden. In Matthew chapter 6, he gave us this example. He says, to not yield to temptation and to the enemy. That we can be certain that Christ has defeated the enemy, and because of that reality, we have to take the armor that God provides through faith and encourage and engage in the battle. We're in a battle either way. No matter how we look at it, we are truly in a battle. So what has God Provided us. Let's look at the tools here in verse 14, the first part. It says, stand your ground, putting on the belt of truth. Now we saw from John chapter 844 last week that, that Satan has been a liar from the beginning and there is no truth at all in him, that he is the father of lies. His strategy is lies. He uses deception and manipulation. And for followers of Jesus, we can defeat the enemy when our life is influenced and controlled by truth. So Paul uses this this armor as an illustration. And what's necessary to understand here is every piece of of armor in that culture, in Roman culture, was connected. And if you don't study this deeply, you you don't know that just at first glance. But but they all work together. The belt is what holds all of the other armor together. You see, without the belt, none of the other components work properly. And so for the Christian, truth is what everything is built on. Truth is the foundation. If we want to see victory, if you want to see victory over the enemy and in life, truth is the foundation it is our foundation we can face the enemy without fear as we just we just declared in that song when we are walking in truth that's possible John 17 says, to sanctify them by the truth, your word is truth. In John 8:31 and 32, Jesus says, if you abide in my words, you are my disciples indeed, and you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. See, we have to put truth into practice. If we don't, it's of no use. When Satan is whispering those lies into your mind, you will not be able to stand unless you know the truth. When Satan is whispering lies into your ear, when he is bringing up your past, when he is reminding you of that thing that that you once did, you can remember because of truth that you have been forgiven and you are not that thing anymore. That's what truth does. Because truth is a sure foundation and truth is the person of Jesus Christ who was God in the flesh. He is perfect, was perfect, and will always be perfect. God said it. We can trust it. You can only respond rightly when you know the truth. Second part of verse 14. And the body armor... Of God's righteousness, or the breastplate of God's righteousness. For the soldier, this piece of armor was, was made of metal and it was made of chain. It went from the neckline to the lower waist, and this was a symbol that Paul was using for righteousness. It had thick rubber like uh, substance on it. It was, it was thick, it was heavy. I mean, these dudes that wore these things were jacked. I mean, these were strong guys. I mean, this was not something for the weak. These things were heavy, but it's not our own righteousness. 2 Corinthians 5 says this, For our sake he made him to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. It's also the example of Christ in Ephesians 4. And to put on the new self, created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. This righteousness is the breastplate of righteousness. And righteousness protects your heart. That's the symbol that Paul is trying to make. That Satan is a deceiver, he accuses, but he has more trouble doing that to a believer who is living through the Spirit's power and living a righteous life. You see, when we live rightly, when we do the right thing, it makes the work of darkness harder. When the accusations come... It's righteousness that comes from Christ that makes our salvation sure and clear. Really, this righteous living, it comes through our pursuit of it. We know what The Bible tells us that we are to be people who are pursuing holiness, pursuing being set apart from this dark world. Peter will write later in 1 Peter 1 that as he who has called you is holy, you should also be holy in all of your conduct. Since it is written, you should be holy because I am holy. Speaking of Jesus and the example that he set. Then we have one more weapon that I want to highlight this morning. Verse 15. For shoes... Put on the peace that comes from the good news, so you will be fully prepared. Now, most of us are familiar with, with cleats. Those of you who've played any kind of sport, you understand what those are, but I want you to think of just a moment of a sandal with small nails coming out of the bottom. That's what these shoes that these Roman soldiers would look like. This was so that they would have secure footing. In any battle that they may find themselves in, so they would not be slipping and and falling on the rough terrain that they would often be fighting in. And if we think that we're ever going to be able to stand in any battle, it will be powered by the gospel. You see, the gospel prepares us for battle. Once we are saved, we are now at peace with God. Romans 5 tells us that, that therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. That peace that so many of us feel inside, even when we go through hard times, comes as a result of the gospel— The gospel has provided us with all the peace that we need in this life The gospel gives us a reason to not fear the attacks that come from Satan Or even the attacks that come from man We must be at peace with God If we plan to win the battle against the enemy Because you're ultimately going to lose if you're not at peace with God because you're separated from Him. So if we have sin or anything else between us and God, something preventing us living in this peace that the gospel provides, Satan will throw that in our faces and he will use that against us. I mean, if you have something come into your mind when I just said that, If you have a sin habit that you just haven't been willing to kick, you won't give it up. Can you look back and can you see how Satan has used that and magnified it? He often does. That's the work that he does. So don't let him be right about what stands between you and God and and how you follow. Surrender that to Jesus. Jesus. Repent and turn from that sin with the strength that God promises you and throw out that power that it's had over you. Because it has some power. But there's more to these shoes, these gospel shoes. It's not just what brings us safety and security in this life, it's something for us to share. We must wear our gospel shoes everywhere. If you're a Christian, and you want to see real victory in your life, share his gospel. Share the gospel with others who are around you who don't know Jesus. That's not a debatable line item in following Jesus. We must wear our gospel shoes everywhere. Sharing the gospel is not just something that I'm supposed to do. It's not just something that the gifted in evangelism are supposed to do. It's what every Disciple is called to do. You see, believing the gospel is not enough. We must follow Jesus and deny ourselves and take up our cross and do the work that He has commanded us to do. Now, is anyone in here really grossed out by feet? I mean, how many of you are grossed out by feet? Just raise your hand. It's they're they're gross. They're weird. They walk on strange things. If you walk around your shoes off, it's gross. And wet feet are even nastier. And I know there are many of you, you didn't even raise your hand, but I know like 90% of you are grossed out by feet this morning. But interestingly enough, God is not grossed out by feet. God thinks the feet of those who proclaim the good news are beautiful. Romans 10 verse 15 says, And how will anyone go and tell them without being sent? That is why the scripture says, How beautiful are the feet of messengers who bring the good news you see a war has been declared by Satan against God and his people but we are warriors who carry and proclaim a message of peace not world peace that's not a goal of the church but eternal kingdom peace listen to 2 Corinthians 5 it'll be on the screen And all of this is a gift from God who brought us back to himself through Christ. And God has given who? Us. This task of reconciling people to who? To him. For God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, no longer counting people's sins against them. And he gave us this wonderful message of reconciliation. So We are Christ's ambassadors. God is making his appeal through us. And we speak for Christ when we plead, come back to God. For God God made Christ who never sinned to be the offering for our sins so that we could be made right with God through Christ. We are messengers of Jesus Christ. That's why we put on the gospel shoes. Where we go... Where you go, where I go, to work, to school, to the neighborhood party or barbecue, whatever it is, the gospel should go with us. This gospel appeal that Paul is telling us is our responsibility and our work. It goes with us. This is why I am so passionate about mission and vision at West Hill. This this verse, these verses are why I'm so on fire about leading people into a growing relationship with Jesus Christ. It's why I am so passionate about reminding you that that is what we are called to do. Not just called to do, but commanded to do. But he set the example. Jesus didn't just sit up there on his throne and say, do this, he did it. He showed us how to do it. We've we've seen that and, and we've talked about that before. Jesus was very diligent in building relationships and sharing the hope of the gospel and then inviting and bringing others to come and see and to come and experience life and we must do the same. There is no better plan. There is no greater mission to accomplish than the great commission. And we are commanded to be a part of that commission. But for Christians today, the reminder is this the battle we are in requires every weapon that we're given. You see, you can't you you can proclaim the gospel with your gospel shoes on, but if it's not rooted in truth, it's void. And it's pointless If you're trying to live out the gospel But you're not living a righteous life You you won't have the fuel that you need to get through That's why all of these things work together I just want you to listen to this from, from 2 Corinthians 10 Paul says we are human But we don't wage war as humans do We use God's mighty weapons Not worldly weapons To knock down the strongholds of human reasoning And to destroy false arguments But we use the mighty hand of God we have to remember that we are in a battle. But you can stand and you can be strong. The Lord is with you and He will give you everything that you need. He's, it's already there at your disposal waiting for you to use. So put on the armor. Not just a piece of it, but all of it. And stand your ground because the battle we are in requires every weapon that we're given. So this morning, where are you? Have you put on the armor? And if you're a Christian, you've read on. You know what the other pieces of armor are. Are are you putting two or three pieces? Are you trying to put two or three pieces on and then live in your own power? Are are you trying to wear the gospel shoes without realizing that, that we are to be strong in the Lord? Where are you today? Have you put on the armor because we've been given all that we need will you trust him and will you obey him and will you do what he's called you to do maybe you're here this morning and you don't have that relationship with Jesus Christ you are not saved, you have not been born again you have not called on him to save you you are not a follower of Jesus we want to plead with you as Paul tells us to do in that text that we just read We want to plead with you. We want to urge you to come back to Christ. It's the wonderful message of reconciliation. Will you be reconciled to God? Let me pray for you. Heavenly Father, we are so grateful and thankful this morning for the opportunity that we've had to see those wonderful young ladies who have gone public with their faith what a beautiful picture of how we were once dead that we've been made alive and we walk as new people because of the gospel and so jesus thank you for providing a way to be reconciled through your death and your resurrection from the dead, conquering sin, death, and the grave. So Jesus, thank you. And thank you for providing us with the tools that we need to stand firm against the spiritual forces of darkness, of evil, that we encounter as Christ followers. God, help us to remember that every weapon we need has been provided and that we have all we need in you. So God, help us to put on our armor through the power of your spirit, through the truth that is your foundation. And it's in Jesus' name we pray, amen.